We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What a pass, Giddy underneath for JRE. The reverse and the rookie to rookie action outside the blue door. He'll get the flyby. Three on the way, and he rattles it in. SGA defended closely by Westbrook. Tough step back, gets up the shot, bakes it in. This is Udart. You're listening to the Uncontested. What is up and welcome to the Uncontested Podcast bonus episode coming to you live Friday morning, June 17th. We are six days out from the NBA draft. I'm your host for the evening, Jacob Niffin. I guess not the evening, it's the morning. I'm so used to saying <laughs> that morning. It's the evening somewhere if you think about there it. There you go. That's true. I've got my co-host Taylor and Kamiar along for the ride and special guest joining us this morning, draft expert. You can hear his voice on Game Theory Podcast with Sam Vecini from The Athletic. We've got Matt Penny on the show. Matt, how's it going, man? I'm I'm doing awesome. I just watched that hype uh, pump-up video. I'm waiting for starting lineups now. I, uh, <laughs> I'm still fighting. Uh, I went to the Celtics game last night, unfortunately. So uh, that was a good pick-me-up. It's like the next season already started watching the, the giddy pass, the door jumper. Let's go. Let's play. Let's there ball. you go. There you go. Uh, unfortunate. For Boston, I apologize. I, uh, oh, I was hoping we'd get a game seven, but Boston, a lot of young talent. They should be right back at it. So uh, I'm not uh, worried about it. I, I don't like losing on the home floor. That's what was the yeah, worst for me. That's true, they, yeah. they steamrolled out to a 14 2 run, and my buddy's like, We're good. Stop panicking. I have like a shirt over my face the whole time. Like, it's coming. <laughs> like, the, the train is coming. They just see it. It's like, Oh, here's the locomotive. It's coming. <laughs> Matt, for it. what but, it's worth, I was inside the arena. Uh, whenever Clay had the infamous OKC Thunder game six, mm. where it just completely exploded in that fourth quarter. Uh, so I I can relate. I, I, can relate. I just got to stay away a little bit because I was there for elimination, see the Warriors celebrate. I was actually at the game in the Boston Garden, the last game the Celtics played when Shaquille O'Neal and Penny Hardaway knocked them out. So I, I should have oh. stayed on the couch. I got a last-minute ticket. I told my buddies earlier the day I'm not going to go. I, I should have listened to myself. But tough, tough to turn down game six. So they pushed it to seven. We'd be like, yeah, we're there. And a lot of somber fans leaving the garden last night. Oh, yeah. Fun season, I, though. Fun yeah, season. Steph just willed it. Willed it. I mean, an incredible series from Steph. 
Yeah, he's a he's a tough guy to stop. Regardless of the coverage, that's like a, such a thing. Do you go drop it? That, that, he's gonna figure it out. He did. He hit some of those dagger threes and did the night night. And I was like, I should get a cab. This is not. This direction's not changing. But you don't want to be the guy. You don't want to be the Mark Wahlberg that leaves during the Super Bowl and they come back. Mm. I actually wasn't that too. So that one worked worked out for me. I found myself into funky places with Boston sports. There you go. Awesome. Well, Matt, we are going to dive into uh, some NBA draft stuff. I know you are probably uh, tired to death of answering NBA draft questions, but you know what? We're going to do it anyways. Let's do it. Uh, we're here, six, right? six days out, and then we can actually talk about what happened and not what will happen. Uh, Taylor, I think you want to lead us off. You got something here? I mean, I think this is the most important question, and we have to kick off with it, Matt. Um, how does it feel to be displaced? from captain of the Josh Minot fan club after your your friend and and colleague John Hollinger comes in and has him 10th on his big board. I mean, it, you it might was, be a bigger fan uh, of him than you are. It was a spectacle because somebody, <laughs> Sam tipped me off before the article came out, uh, Sam Vecini at The Athletic, and uh, he said, hey, Hollinger's got Minot really high. I'm just letting you know. And I've had Josh in like the 30s all year, and I, I settled at like 38 for this draft or something. So I opened John's article and I'm scrolling. I'm like, whoa, buddy. He had him 10th. I'm like, I like him. I know I do not like him that much. That is too I, rich. Uh, I didn't do a double take. Like, oh. uh, my double takes were that and Johnny Davis 29th. I was like, yeah. all right. Well, um, yeah, that's let, true. Let's, let's, let's play some basketball and see what this looks like in about a year from now. Because I don't I don't know if that's going to play out that way. Yeah, I think Hollinger also had Shangoon like fifth. Yeah, sixth? high. Pretty Last high. year, yeah. really high. Hey, uh, something against consensus. You got to enjoy it. Yeah, and, and that's kind of the cool thing. And I always say this about the draft is you have to take those swings. You have to believe in your guys, and you talk to NBA teams. Their boards are a lot different than consensus. They're a lot different, and some people may have had Shangun top three. Some people may have Shaden Sharp top two. Some people may have Jaden Ivey as the number one on their board, but they don't have that pick. Uh, so it's really team-dependent and, and not what we just see clicking on a few links on the Internet, too. Definitely. Well, talking about consensus, Matt, uh, let's stay there for a second. It seems like nearly every mock draft on the internet right now, regardless of where you look, the Athletic, ESPN, SI, Bleacher Report, really since the lottery has had Jabari Smith Jr. at pick number one and then Chet Holmgren going to Oklahoma City at pick number two. Let's say that six days from now, the pick at number two for the Thunder is Chet Holmgren. I know that you've watched a ton of Chet Holmgren mm. How do you see his fit with Oklahoma City, with Shea and Josh Giddy and the other young talent, uh, and with the rebuild that the Thunder are going through right now? It's a perfect fit because Chet, as, as weird, as strange, as far and different as a prospect than he is, the thing with him is it's still translatable to everything you do on the floor. Like if you if you draft Jabari Smith, you probably you have a later pick in the first round, you're probably gonna go get a center, right? Or build something around it. You can pay Chet at the four, play him at five. I'd be a little worried about him guarding guys in the post. But you can use that clock and lack of organizational pressure that Oklahoma City has because Sam Presley's had so many hits that they give him the benefit of the doubt with what he does as they should. So that's the type of system and franchise he needs to bring him along slowly. And Sam, he talks about it all the time, about Chet's a guy who grabbed it off the rim, go full court, push, pressure, here's Giddy, here's Shane on the other side, here's a shooter in the corner, here's Dort coming down the middle. There's a lot of different combinations that you can use with him, and that's what's so appealing to me, is that he goes to Oklahoma City. They've done this dance before. It's not like, wow, this is a foreign prospect. We, we don't know how to use him. They're going to find a way to do it, and it, it might not hit for two or three years from now. 
That that's an interesting point you bring up about his fit with the organization and um, how it may be better for him in OKC compared to some of these other consensus uh, or not consensus these other top teams who are picking in the top three, uh, especially after Ryan Rosillo, the ringer, comes out yesterday saying that he's heard uh, him and his agent Bill Duffy would prefer OKC as an organization. I'm not sure if you've heard anything uh, specific to that, but I just found it interesting um, that they kind of prefer that fit as well because it will allow him opportunity to grow to get playing time right. early and then i think priscilla even mentioned you know getting that that first big contract really is, is a a key goal for a lot of these prospects coming into the league yeah it's funny i was just listening to that podcast i cut off before the uh the big contract part of it so uh <laughs> but but like i get it too and he's gonna be a play through his mistakes a lot of the rookies there they're on the bench because you're trying to win uh, we watched golden state last night and they have jonathan Kaminga, who i'm still a fan of but he didn't see the floor because yeah, it's game six of the finals. The margin for error is so slim. The margin for error with Oklahoma City right now is pretty wide. Who knows? I mean, it, they have all the picks. Do we eventually package all of them to get a vet or two? Maybe. Do we do this for two more drafts and say, okay, now we're all in? Uh, there's different routes that they can take. It's not It's not like they're not trying to win, uh, as that dog would attest to what we're saying here. But it's it's still like, let's do a slow and steady climb. It doesn't have to be all the way straight up from, from the jump. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I think just on the topic of consensus as well, it seems like, you know, there's this consensus top three, but I know you and Sam on game theory have talked a lot about Jaden Ivey as well. Like yeah. I think uh, Sam even teased that he might have Ivy um, on his draft guide coming out higher than Bincaro. So maybe of the top four, what's your favorite, who is your favorite fit with OKC? Is it Chet or is it one of these other prospects? Yeah, it, it would be Chet. And, and my board's similar in that my top four is Chet, Jabari, Jaden Ivey, and Paulo. And I don't, people take that, obviously take it literally but they take it as like a slight to paul mancara and i don't i'm not trying to make it that way paul mancara is gonna have a very good career he can contribute as a rookie he could be rookie of the year i just believe in those other guys a little bit more to to get to a place where for jabari and chad to be two-way players the defense stands out more and for ivy he could be a superstar just with his change of pace and his speed as much as i love him though i don't necessarily like the fit on paper with oklahoma city uh, Oakland City last year was last in the league in three-point shooting. He's noted for that burst of speed, but only a 36% shooter from college three. After freshman year, he shot 26%. Josh Giddy was 26% from three last year. Shea was 30%. Even if you run a three-guard lineup, you're asking for lots of clog lanes and zone defense. Yes, say you somehow take Jabari Smith as a shooter, right? That helps. If you take him second, check goes first. They almost need like a real shooting five to negate that lack of floor space in the backcourt if somehow you traded up and had Ivy, Shea, and Giddy. I mean, they'd have to give up an asset to get there. Like, I don't think they would take him second overall. There's been so many talks about what teams are trying to move up. Detroit, Indiana, Washington, the Knicks. A lot of teams covet Jaden Ivey. Uh, there'd have to be other pieces moved around, in, in my sense anyway, to make it work a little bit more cleaner with Oklahoma City. So this has been pretty prevalent uh, one name other than I, JJ Nivey, uh, that's been kind of rumored with OKC, of course, you know, Oklahoma City, they smoke screen a lot. And I mean, yeah. you never really know who's who they're going to pick until they actually announce it, which is different from all the other 29 other teams. But another name that you hear other than Jay Nivey linked to the Thunder ish is certainly Shaden Sharp. Um, what can you really tell us about Shaden and how do you think he really would fit with OKC's young core in comparison to what you just explained about Jaden Ivey? So my first question is throwing it back to you guys, old podcasting trick. Did any of you think that Josh Giddy was being selected by the Thunder or were you guys surprised as everybody else? 
You want a funny story real quick, Matt? Yeah, one of our sure. other co one of our other co-hosts uh, does all of our graphic design stuff. He's he's a freaking wizard. Yeah. And leading into draft night last year, he had eleven different edits of players with Thunder jerseys on. We were taking at six, and Josh Giddy was not one of the eleven. Oh, so just on the fly, he's running he's with a stick figure yes. with like long yeah, hair. Was, we're on our live stream. He's over there like doing graphic design. It, we we had speaking of that, we had T-shirts made up, uh, Shay and Knight T-shirts uh, for for book like night. Shea, so. Yeah. So we were very okay. surprised. All right. Yeah, I, I was too. Was... I, I knew he had like a secret workout out in LA, but I didn't yep. think too much of it. Uh, started to get off track. But for Shaden Sharp, it, the, the word and the phrase, the term you hear so much is mystery man, right? Because he, he hasn't played. He was at Kentucky, but like not really. Mm-hmm. He sat on the benches. He was at Kentucky as much as you and I were at Kentucky. But he has that size and positional archetype, which are the biggest sells. When you're six foot six, wide shoulders, six foot ten wingspan, you fly up and down the floor. He's just an exceptionally explosive athlete, and he can create shots. He's a beast on the break and transition. He tries to jump out of the gym. Does the three-point shot translate? That's kind of like a hang-up I have. Like when you're playing summer basketball, whether that's the EYBL or the UAA or, or you're playing the Adidas circuit, like that's also not necessarily the same thing as us going down and playing on a college court and, and shooting threes and making shots within the flow of the offense. So I, I think people are giving him like a little bit of the benefit of the doubt there. Uh, and I also, and this has been brought up, and this will be discussed probably as like a, a case study years to come. He probably benefited from not paying college. He wasn't exposed. You're going off of these grainy, it's not like totally grainy, but like back gym, court number five film, and you're watching, you're like, okay, is that kid good? And, and Nike stuff's always good who he's playing against, but it's different. Is he closer to like a BJ Boston from a year ago, who's a top five prospect, goes to Kentucky, plays, and we're like, Ugh, I don't know if he's a top five guy. Well, the expectations, right? As a rookie, he did uh, probably should have been a first round pick. That's fine. But cost himself some money. I, I saw somebody the other day. I think Rafael Barlow had a, a quote from somebody about Jaden Hardy playing with the G League Ignite. Did he expose himself by going there? Maybe. But at some point, you have to play basketball. Like you can trick somebody in the first contract, but eventually you put on the jersey, you got to play. And it's like, oh, he's not good enough. But Shaden's team, they've kept it under wraps. I mean, there's been mixed reviews about his workouts. But teams, regardless, they're not going to fall for one workout per se. They're drawn to like, what could that guy look like on a wing, running up and down, hitting shots, dunking on top of guys. And I can see that more with Oklahoma City, as I say, Jaden Ivey can't shoot, but a little bit bigger, a little bit stronger, can be more physical, shot create differently, stronger out of mid-range. So as much as I get Ivy and, and would prefer Ivy just in a vacuum, I see why Shaden Sharp could appeal to Oklahoma City as like, we're taking on projects, let's take another one who... If you play in Kentucky, maybe it's a top three pick. Who knows? Staying on the the Shaden Sharp topic for a minute, I think it's really fascinating that idea that, you know, if Jaden Hardy did the same thing, is is he in the same boat? How hard is it, I, I guess, just for you to evaluate a guy like Shaden Sharp? I mean, I don't follow the, the high school circuit much, yeah. but from what I understand, like he went into Peach Jam, like ranked like 30th in his yeah. class and came out of that weekend ranked number one. And then he really don't see, I mean, I was going to say, you don't see him play competitive basketball again. I don't, I don't know how competitive peach Jam is in comparison to playing power five basketball yeah. at, at a D one school. How difficult is it to evaluate somebody like that when they've been number one in their class because of one really good weekend and what are NBA teams trying to look at? I mean, 
we've heard the report he's playing three on three in some of these workouts. Yeah, I just saw a, a quick clip of him playing three and three in Portland, and they yeah. put out a tweet, and I was like, wait, well, what's he doing there? What's is that? Uh, did he dive? Is that a shot? Yeah, we're we're trying to analyze. Yeah, the same way everybody else is nuts. So, how do you evaluate somebody like that that you've never really seen as far as an NBA draft candidate, and? Like, what are NBA teams looking at? Like, how much stock do you put in a three-on-three pre-draft workout knowing right. that you're about to pay this kid, you know, $30 million over his first four years and hopefully have him in your program for nine? Like, that's a massive investment for a guy that you really have no clue what the hell he looks like. And as good as he is, right? Let, let's say he is a top five prospect. He hasn't really played competitive basketball in two years. No matter how good you are, there's going to be rust. It's going to take time. Like rookies adjust the NBA as it is. He like almost has to adjust to college while in the NBA, as crazy as it sounds. So the evaluation is difficult because he was a kid right like 75 to 100 was ranked. He was at Sunrise Christian Academy. Didn't get much playing time. Goes back to Canada, works out, transfers to Dream City Christian, I believe. Has a, a big summer, plays well in the, the grind session, which is like another league played on the West Coast. But like, like who, who are you playing against? There's there's other Division One guys, but it's a lot different than playing at Rupp Arena with 20,000 people screaming at you. It, it's a lot different than playing in the G League and you turn the corner and like, oh, man, here's Jalen Johnson, who was at Duke, and now he's got 20 playing for the, the Skyhawks. Uh, it's the same it's the same thing NBA teams are doing right now. Like, how do we judge this? How do we measure this against other guys because there's more tape? And how much do you trust your gut if it's a workout, if it's an interview, uh, whether it's Intel stuff, whether you went down in Kentucky and watched them because you did practice, you did. Uh, and how much do you do that versus I have tons of tape on Ben Matherin. I can tell you he can probably shoot a little bit worried about the defense, but I sort of know what he is. Uh, a lot of these guys like Jay Ivey, Matherin, Johnny Davis, they all went back to school because the freshman year didn't live up to expectations. Now they'll be lottery picks. It scares me that Shaden could have been lost in space and averaged seven points per game at Kentucky and still been a cons- like consensus top 20 pick because because of the tools, because you see what it could be. Uh, but it's scary. It, it's really scary. So as high as I have him, I, I think I have him fifth or sixth on my like, personal board, I, I would cop out and say, like, if I were the franchise, I would have to take a long look to take him. Yeah, Just because of the uncertainty. Quick aside, uh, you mentioned that that workout he had with Portland and the the yeah. video highlight clip that they put out. He's playing one on one against Daylon Terry. And yeah. I love Daylon Terry. Um, I you know you were really high on Josh Primo last mm-hmm. year, Matt, and it maybe higher than consensus. And then he goes obviously in the lottery to San Antonio, kind of a surprise. And the way that you know that pick was kind of uh, analyzed, I think by many was like almost not a draft and stash per se, but like take yeah. him a year early before right. going back to school. You can get him in your your system early and develop him. He's Primo and, and Terry are obviously very different guards, very different players. I even think Terry's more of a wing, but I, I love the idea of taking a, a flyer on a guy like a Daylon Terry this draft rather than, you know, a year later, if he were to go back and kind of be the guy at Arizona. Um, but just kind of wrapping up, I guess the, the shade and sharp talk, you mentioned Ivy, you mentioned shade and sharp. It sounds like for OKC, you like the shade and sharp fit the most. Uh, man, maybe me in a corner. <laughs> I would still, as I, I just did a Kings uh, podcast last week. Like, but what does, does Ivy fit? I'm like, I don't care. He, he's too good. You take him. The, despite everything I just said, I would probably take Ivy and figure out. I think he's that much higher. And I, I have Shane Sharp a, a tier below. I would understand the hesitancy on, on fit a little bit. The shooting would have to be figured out. I don't know if moving up in the draft means moving one of your starters and creating more shooting that way too. 
but probably just like A to B, yeah, Shane's a, a better fit there. I wouldn't pick him because OKC okay, take Ivy and, and just make sure the pieces f- f- figure themselves out as like time rolls on here too. And I love Dalen Terry. I have him like 15th overall. He's crushed yes. pre-draft. Awesome. Uh, he's He'll be called in the top 20. I'd be surprised if he's not. I love it. So, obviously, there's been a ton of chatter about OKC trading up. Um, they've already given away one of the draft picks, um, 30th. And so, OKC, best option at pick 12 if they stay there, in your opinion. But who's the guy in the top 6 or 10? Because that's really a lot of notions that OKC's maybe trying to move up. Of course, that could be leaked by other organizations, et cetera, because we know OKC doesn't really leak. But who's the guy um, at 12 if OKC is still picking there that you think would fit them well? Or who's the guy that could be in the 6 to 10 range that slides down that might be beneficial to OKC either? Yeah, they've been active in trades. There's definitely been chatter. I mean, there's there's some false chatter there too. And and depends sort of what happens at the top too. Because if you take, let's say Chet goes first. If you take Jabari Smith at, at 12-ish, do you look for a big? Do you reach for a Jalen Duran? Do you go the, the Mark Williams route? What keeps coming back the most is like they covet Jeremy Sohan. But they know where they are right now. It's not going to be able to happen. There's a lot of teams before them, anywhere from five down, that, that think that he could fit there. So they'd have to to move up to to get a guy like that. You're also hear a lot of Usman Jang, like he's let's fully prusty it up for a six ten funky wing that takes these weird kind of push floater shots that wasn't great the first half of the year, but it's very very young. Uh, has played some good overseas basketball. If you're you're staying put and you're you're going full thunder and taking the full swing, I I actually would look at Dalen Terry because of that culture, energy, up tempo, the personality shows, the defense is there. Just I like to call him like a utility guy, like a Swiss Army knife. There's a little bit of everything. The shot scares me. Yeah, uh, he's got a enough, weird hitch. Yeah, it's slow. It's <laughs> narrow. It's like, where are we? Where are just put your shoulders back. Uh, I'm no shot coach. But from everything I've I've gathered during this is that he showed in the interviews how community is to work. Uh, we saw at Arizona when Kirk Creasy got hurt that he was able to play the one and two. And he's six foot seven, long arms. He anticipates. I see him wreaking havoc on an NBA floor. Uh, so we mentioned him, and then if you want to go, like, let's let's full swing it. Malachi Branham from Ohio State, I think, has a, has a real shot. I have him pretty high on my board. Uh, a freshman that averaged 20 points per game the second half of the year. King of the, the mid-range jumper, the three needs to improve, but is young. And uh, based on the, the Keegan Murrays and Jaden Ivies and these guys all went back to school, I, I kind of, not for the Thunder, but I feel similarly about Blake Wesley. Do you just do the investment now, knowing it's the domestic draft and stash, not international or, or pre-drafting or whatever terminology you want to use, that it's almost like getting a top seven pick a year from now, but instead we got him at 12, a la the Spurs and, and Josh Primo in the 2021 draft. Every year there's a top prospect that typically falls like substantially. If you were to guess a top prospect that might fall a little bit more substantially than they were thought to, who would you maybe think that might be probably a center and that's just based on when you look at the board and actually put names to teams and you see what teams already have Jalen Dern could fall in that spot they're just I think Portland's going to resign Nurk and they need more of a four or more of like a, a win now guy for Dame that Jeremy that pick Sohan. Fell, 
That sure. I mean, that's like the natural one, but that pick fascinates me because what direction are you going with Dame Lillard? I don't know if he's gonna be like, Hey, we took Shaden Sharp, who's 19, Hayes and played in two years, and Dame's like, We gotta win now, or like I'm out of here. Mm. Uh so Jalen Dern's my name only because of I have him a little bit lower. He started off as like a top five guy. A lot of people have him that five to ten range. But you, you go down the line of, of who's picking, and even if Mark Williams doesn't jump him, there's a, a real case for him to end up at at 14 or 15. I mean, you look at, yes, the Knicks could take him at 11, but they need some toughness, some guard help. I don't know if the Wizards are taking him at 10. Spurs at 9, like maybe. I don't think New Orleans takes him at 8. So now all of a sudden we're at 12, 13, 14. Yeah, 13, the Hornets need a big, but – we've all slotted like Mark Williams there. Like it's this foregone conclusion. Uh, he's not going to go 14th to Cleveland. They have every big in the world. And then Charlotte's again at 15. So now we're talking 16, 17. Mm-hmm. You could be looking around and saying, oh, this guy's too talented for here. I like the value of taking him at 17 versus seven. So that would probably be my name that has a chance to slide and not really anything he did just 10 years ago. He'd be a, a top five pick. We wouldn't even be having this conversation, but as the games evolved and changed and, more switching bigs and can he do that maybe right but he didn't show a ton of it at memphis so there's a lot to be proven there too very good before we move on matt we're going to take a quick second to tell our listeners about who's paying the bills this week (laughs) what's up thunder fans this is jacob from the uncontested podcast and i'm here to let you know that we have fully redesigned our merch store to get you the best thunder swag available Just visit CottonBureau.com and search the Uncontested Podcast to find all of our new designs. That's C-O-T-T-O-N-B-U-R-E-A-U.com and search the Uncontested Podcast to find new drops like Josh Giddy's Wizard of Oz or an ode to the Trey Man Step Back. We've also got all the classics like Dortal Combat, Lu Tang Clan, and everyone's favorite MVP, Shea Gilgis Alexander. The best part? You can get any design in the style of apparel you want. So if you're gearing up for the summer and want a tank top, needing a hoodie for the winter in Australia, or you're wanting a Pokemon onesie for your baby, we've got you covered. Make sure to go to cottonbureau.com and search the uncontested podcast to get your new Thunder gear today. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. All right, we are back. Matt, I wanted to ask you, so we were talking guys at 12, guys maybe in that trade up 6 to 10. I'm very intrigued in that that kind of bucket of wings that are kind of there. Uh, so so let's exclude Shaden Sharp from that because we've already talked about him. You've got AJ Griffin, you've got Ben Matherin, uh, you've got I think Johnny Davis could could play on the wing a little bit more of a guard, but could play on yeah, the wing. Smaller. Yeah. When you look, he he I, I, he is smaller, but I feel like he plays big. Like oh, I love I love him. Don't tell me, yeah. but yeah, it would be hard to if you put him on the, as a three, you can mask that a little bit with giddy size and put him out there. But yeah, with that that bucket of wings kind of there in the in the second half, mid to late lottery, which one of those guys do you like most for Oklahoma City? So who am I excluding here? Just Shaden, since we've already talked about him. Just Shaden. Uh, it, it depends on pick. Ben Matherin's flying up draft boards. I don't think he'll be there at twelve. But he's been in phenomenal shape during during this since the season ended. Ended on a nice crescendo with the game against TCU, TCU where he game. was just yeah. unbelievable and had 30-something. It was dunking on people, calling for the ball, hitting threes. That's the one that probably screams the most. I wouldn't take Dyson Daniels. I know he's not necessarily a wing, but I'd argue at his size, it's six seven, six foot eight. Just the foot speed defensively, you're going to probably have to push him over a little bit, and I don't know how many NBA ones he's going to guard, but too much positional overlap with with Giddy with that. Like, I, I don't want, like, no shooting times two, no foot speed times two. You need a little bit more athleticism. AJ Griffin scares me in the jumper, and the, and the shooting is very real, but he was clunky feet and clunky defensively at, at Duke this last past year. Uh, the name – so what – I'm off track here. What number actual pick would this be? Because the, the wings kind of run out a little bit. It's like Keegan Murray to me is a four. Like he's not a wing. I, I love Keegan. So, yeah. and I have it ninth. Like not really a, a wing to me. Branham smaller. Like he's more of a guard. Dyson's kind of a wing. AJ's kind of a wing. And now we're at like the 15th pick. So that that's why it's it's kind of tough to put it in a box and say who, who would be the next up for me. For sure. So, yeah, I was thinking like Dyson – Johnny, uh, AJ Griffin, um, Ben Matherin. Like, if the Thunder were to to trade up and target one of those guys, which one do you think would be the best fit? Yeah, probably Matherin, just for the shooting. But they, they might have to get up to like five. I think six or seven. He's he's really in play there. Uh, he, he's been a weird one for me. I had him at like fifteenth, but I moved him up to fifth. I dropped him down. He had a good tournament and all the the rave reviews about him understanding his faults and what he needs to work on. But Matherin would be likely the guy just add more shooting next to Shea and next to, to Giddy and 
whether it's Chet or Jabari, it, let's say it's either one of them, both like 40% shooters from three. And they have two shooters just slid into the starting lineup uh, with the creativity of the guards that you already have. I think it's fascinating. I th- uh, ben Matherin in NBA media availability yesterday mentioned he's only worked out for three teams. It's it's funky, like the the way that agents kind of control that too. It's not like, hey, we have eight teams call and I'm going to go to Oklahoma City Wednesday, Houston on Friday. And, and these visits for the top guys are usually longer than 24 hours too. They get there, they meet with the organization, they go out to dinner with the GM, uh, they see the facility, they meet with strength conditioning, do the medical stuff. So it's not just like, hey, here's an hour slot. We got three guys, three guys. Uh, on the Ryan Rosillo pod, they said that Jaden Ivey hadn't even been to Sacramento yet, even though he could be be drafted there. I mean, there was similar stuff last season at the top of the draft about guys not going to Houston or not going to Cleveland. So it shakes itself out. I'm, I'm not totally blown away by that. I would feel I'd feel worse if it were a guy in the 20s who said, hey, no, like we, we got a good indication of where he's going to go. We're only working out for 15, 16, 17. I mean, there, there was a prospect who said, I'm only working out for lottery teams. And he's not a lottery guy. I'm not going to say it on the air, but that's that's when it gets dicey. That's as an agent, yeah. I'd be like, I don't know about all that. Same thing kind of with uh, with Jabbar. I mean, we know he's going to go top two, but he said yesterday, I'm not scheduling any more workouts. I went to Orlando. I went to Oklahoma City. I'm done. I love that. He's good enough to do that. And yeah. if he goes to three, yeah. like Houston will just write his name down, like put it to the commissioner. We're good. Yeah, We're right. good. Yeah. We're take him. He's good enough. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, very true. Uh, it is interesting, kind of the, I guess the politics that that kind of go into, if you want to call lot, it that. Yeah, it's a lot of like, I don't want to say backroom deals, but a lot of stuff like behind the scenes and mm-hmm. power plays and power broking and and smoke screens and misdirections and. And then you think why. about relationships too, like certain agents have close relationships with other GMs and. Gets, oh yeah, that's that's a lot of the second round. Once you get deep in the second round, start googling whose agent has who and who's on oh, the yeah. roster. It's, well, it's Ludort fun. and Wasserman, right? Like, I think there's probably a reason he didn't get selected in the second round and was signed as a, a unrestricted free agent after the draft with OKC. Yeah, that Wasserman connection. That's a good yeah, point. And, and, and it depends too. Like, there's a lot of second round guys that they slide by their own choice they, they're called and said hey well we're philadelphia we'll take it 35 but it's got to be a, a two-year deal for the minimum it's like no nah, i'm good I'm, I'm gonna get guaranteed money or i'll go undrafted i'll pick my own summer league team before i go and, and earn my spot worked out for austin reeves last year it wouldn't surprise me if it works out for another guy or two this year as well it's a good point so kind of i guess on that topic before we uh play a quick rapid fire uh, over under game before we yeah. get out of here we're six days out from the draft. Thank goodness. I'm so ready for it to get here. <laughs> Matt, do you have any big predictions you've kind of been sitting on? Um, any that, that you want to share uh, as we get closer to the draft? It doesn't have to be OKC related. Just uh, maybe something you've been thinking about over the past couple of days if we, as we've gotten closer. Yeah, it, it jogged me to, to think on it when I, I got kind of the sheet here. Like any big predictions? Like I haven't really thought of that. I've just thought about talking about less Chad Spotty type. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I do think there'll be at least one trade into the lottery or up the lottery. Um, that's my semi-bold prediction. I know it's not because Woj was on ESPN pregame last night saying, like, number four is in play. Uh, I do see something happening there, where it's Oklahoma City moving up, whether it's Sacramento moving out, packaging some of the picks and getting out. My other one, and my predictions are all getting busted here the last day or two as the draft is getting closer, and I wish the draft could be yesterday. I look a lot smarter than I am. I know we got a green room invitation now, but Jalen Williams from Santa Clara is going to be picked in the lottery. That's my my boldest take. I like that. Like that. Mm, that's tough. Oh man. Um, so 
going off of like some rapid fire questions uh as an over and under mm. um you just mentioned um so like two two and a half lottery picks get traded you just mentioned you think maybe one two I would go under, I'd say one or two. I think more than two and a half, we're talking three out of what, 14 picks. That's a, that's a pretty big number, but I, I'd go under. And if I had to actually take a money line on something, I'd say two. And so you can, you kind of revealed that there with your last answer. And so my one I'm getting to is shade and sharp over under drafted seven and a half. I would go over, but not crazy over. Like that's a good line. I think it would be eight, nine, 10. I don't like if he's there 10 with Washington, they would, they'd probably just come be like, Hey, we got, we got to do it. We got Brad Beal and a bunch of like parts and he could be like the star. Brad Beal needs a star next to him. Although Johnny Davis is probably the safer pick. I would take Johnny Davis, but Shane Sharp, the upside, the appeal, the sizzle, whatever buzzy stuff we're going to do. That's a, a swing. If you're at 10, that could be a top three guy and you don't know when you're going to be there. And I talk about this with the Kings too. They're, they're going to be there at four, right? They're, they haven't made the playoff in 16 years. If you're New Orleans at eight, right, they're eight, I took Sharp on a mock draft because you don't know when that pick is. You, when are you ever going to have a top 10 pick again? They were in the playoffs, pushed the Suns to six games. You have this core that pushed through with C.J. McCollum and Herb Jones and Brandon Ingram. And, oh, yeah, Zion Williams was injured all year. Like, if Zion is at 50%, that team is never picking eighth for the next, like, four or five years. So that's your lottery guy that you try to build around, and they're good enough without him. So you take him slow, too. So kind of transitioning to players that are already in the league mm. on draft night, one and a half players who have already been deemed all or named all-stars get traded on draft night. One and a half all-stars trade on, on draft night over under. Probably go under. Two all-stars feels like a lot for this draft. Because it's lazily been titled like weaker uh, because it doesn't have like the stars at the top. And I I made this point last week and unfortunately saw at the Celtics last night. Steph Curry is unbelievable, but yeah, so is Jordan Poole. So is Clay Thompson. So is Draymond Green uh, for the Celtics. Like, yeah, Tatum was your number one option. Didn't have a great series, but you have Jalen Brown, you have Robert Williams. All these complementary pieces matter. And if you get the highest level guy at one, two, three, four, that's, that's a good enough draft for me. But beyond that, but now take it back, beyond those four, I don't know how many assets I would leverage away to get into like six, seven, eight and use one of my all-stars to get there. If we were talking about this a year before and we're like, man, we could get Franz Wagner plus a pick. We love Scotty Barnes. Uh, Jalen Green could be there at three or four, maybe. But I I don't know how many all-stars I'd put on the table for, for this class unless you're getting into like the top two or three. Next over under, Matt. Four and a half for players that you personally have in your top 30 that don't go first round. Hmm. I would probably, as I pull up my top 30, I'd probably go under. Let me see my shaky one. I really like Ryan Rollins from Toledo. I have him 25th. If you tell me he goes 37th, I wouldn't fight you over it. Uh, Christian Coloco is like probably close. I, I have him at, at the, the end of the first round. Christian Brown could go one way or another. Uh, I'll probably go under, but not by a crazy amount. Staying on that topic, the reason I put that number at 4.5, I get the feeling that in this draft, and, and maybe you can offer some insight here, 20 to like 45 
just feels like a big old bag. And (laughs) it's just going to be all over the place. Yeah, it it will. And I've juggled that like the last couple days too. And and one of the things you guys wanted to talk about and discuss is you have that pick at 34, right? It's like, what type of swing are you taking? Are you taking the more proven guy in Christian Brown from Kansas, who I just mentioned? Do you take a a Wendell Moore from Duke, who is a – a little bit of everything this year for the Blue Devils and arguably probably their MVP before Apollo went nuts in the, in the tournament led him to the Final Four. Do you go for another Duke guy like Trevor Keels? Or is this, hey, full swing mode, we're going Josh Minot from Memphis, we're going Peyton Watson from UCLA. That's going to be team philosophy, team by team. So uh, I totally agree with you. That's why 20 to 40 is like such a grab bag of like whatever. You put your hands in the treasure chest, you're like, I got a hacky sack or uh, you know, I got a, a whoopee cushion. You, you don't know what it's going to be. Yeah. So, and before we move on to the next uh, over under, that 34 pick last year, we saw the Thunder kind of take the swings at the top with Trey Mann and Josh Giddy. And then early in the second round, they go with the, the higher floor, lower ceiling guy in Jeremiah Robinson Earl. Uh, same thing very late in the draft with Aaron Wiggins. If they stick to that philosophy again, they take their swings at two and 12 and they go more high floor guy that has great character is going to fit in with the culture at 34. Can you give us like one or two names that you like at that spot? Or did you already name them and guys like Christian Brown? Those are definitely the the three that I kind of had targeted, but it wouldn't surprise me just like culture, fit, toughness. There is some positional stuff with Jeremiah Robinson Earl, but like a guy like Jalen Williams from Arkansas, I could see him just being like very thundery in, in that respect to come in and, take your charges, make some plays out of the high post, hit, hit some trailer threes. Uh, those guys mixed with the the names I said there potentially uh, would make the most sense at, at that high. There's guys I like in the, in the fifties and lower, but I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't like go against if like Max Christie's on the board. I think you just kind of take them and say, yeah. Hey, he was, he was a freshman Michigan state. He could be really good. He defends better than people think can shoot it. I'd rather take him. That's a little less proven than here's something that's baked more. And, and more of a, a sure thing from the immediate jump. Very good. Taylor, you got the next over-under? So, oh, there goes uh, my doc. There we go. Uh, so, one and a half of the guys that you have in the lottery on your big board do not go in the lottery, kind of similar to the the last question. One and a half guys on your your lottery, uh, on your big board, that do don't, not go in the lottery. Don't go in the lottery. So, guys uh, that you were kind of talking about earlier, like Jalen Duran, potentially. I'd say... I'd say two. I'd say two. Probably Duran. If if I end up sliding up Dale Interior's spot, I think he'll be in the top twenty ish. But I don't know if somebody's going to go all the way up to the lottery. I have AJ Griffin twelfth. I could see him sliding down a, a few spots too. We're, we're giving him like a, a significant benefit of the doubt of, of last year. Um, and if you go back and watch the film beyond that, he was really good at USA basketball. He was good at the UIBL when he played. I, I've watched him play in high school forever. So I'd say like two and a half, three. What was the line? A one and a half. Yeah, I'll probably go over. Okay. Go over. Yeah. Like it. Let's stay in the lottery. Jeremy Sohan drafted 9.5. Under. Oh, wow. That yeah, no, no hesitation. No hesitation there. Yeah. Even if you're okay. not the um I really like Jeremy. I have him personally. Ninth. Perfect. Great line. Yeah, there you uh, go. But <laughs> my my spidey senses say he's gonna go before nine and a half. Uh, not and, to keep teasing Sam's uh, draft Bible that he's about to put out next week. But um, I think he said he has him five on, on last high. game theory. Yeah. It's awesome. Which is good. And like, I, I really like him, but my, yep. 
while I'm like, yo, slow down just a little bit, if he doesn't shoot, and we're all just assuming that he shoots, he's a really good defender, slasher, can pass a little bit. But if you, you can't shoot, like, is that guy worth a, a top five pick? If you're saying no to a Benek Mather, and you're saying no to maybe Dyson Daniels, if you're a fan of, like, big, rangy wings. You're saying no to a guy like in, in Johnny Davis or who knows, Keegan Murray, if, if he's there. I would take those guys. Uh, and that's why I don't have him quite as high as Sam does. That makes sense. And this is the last one. Oof. And you kind of hinted at this one too. So it's kind of fun to to use this to to put a bow on everything. But one and a half over under of Jalen Duran and Mark Williams going the lottery. So essentially, are they both going or are they both not? I would take the under based on the teams that are there. I think one, one probably goes because 14 is the Cavs, right? I think mm-hmm. the Knicks will go with a, a winger guard at 11. So unless the Knicks take a big at 11, it's going to be under. I would, I would say under. I, I think I think it'll be one, and then one will go right outside of it. I don't think it'll be this crazy slide. Very good. Matt, before we let you out of here, last question of the day. Mm. Prediction. After uh, Thursday night, who is on the Thunder roster? They're picking at uh, two. We assume they're picking at 12. They might trade up. But if we had to make a guess right now, who are the the we'll forget thirty four because that one's really hard to predict. But let's say that the, the two lottery picks that the Thunder get, who's uh who's in Oklahoma City Thunder after Thursday night? My guess, and you can timestamp this and, and ridicule me when it's wrong. I would say Chet Holmgren <laughs> at two, and I'd say Usman Jang at twelve. Ooh, I like that. All right. Very good. Two, two if, very if long. If it's boys. traded, if it's traded, uh, this is null and void. We throw out the window and say, yeah, right. Didn't count. <laughs> okay. they, if they move up and they Sohan seventh, don't, don't hold it over me. Okay. Yeah, very I good. Like so that. Chet and Usman, the, the Thunder just. Let's thunder it up, right? Let's thunder it up. Does <laughs> Shea, it make sense? Nope. Not Shea, really. Chet, really. Usman Jang, and Alexei Pokashevsky on a court together. Yes. Put them in that, the same lineup. Less than that's, five hundred pounds. That's a, pounds, a, I think. That's a yeah. That's like a, a fantasy football draft that makes no sense. <laughs> Just wait Just until Wimbayama's like, on the team yeah. next year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, throw out Victor Wimbayama, then we'll be podcasting a year from now about how Chet should play the two. <laughs> you know, she's more rangy. Should be on the outside. Yeah, that, that, that's uh, where our brains go as soon as this draft ends. We'll, <laughs> yeah, we'll do the the preseason twenty twenty three draft. Sam will be like, "You ready to do this again?" Like, no, dude. I gotta like clear my brain for a while. I'm, I'm having dreams about podcasts and stuff. I, I need a break. <laughs> awesome. Well, Matt, man, thank you so much for hopping on with us, talking some draft. Uh, I know. You've got to be getting burnt out. Uh, I can't even no, imagine okay. how, we're, how we're many right podcasts here, man. you've we're done. We're right here. But we're, we're at the precipice of it. So uh, we really appreciate you. Everyone go check out all Matt's stuff that he does with Sam Vecini on the Game Theory Podcast. It's a must-listen. Must um, tune into their YouTube stream as well. They're making prospect breakdown videos uh, of a lot of these first-round guys. Uh, and if you watch the YouTube channel, you can see Matt digging into the Pirates' booty as well. So. <laughs> yeah, just said something Always before the show. It's, it's not a gag. It's it's the actual brand. But thank you for having me on, guys. I love uh, love Oklahoma City. Love you guys. Love uh, the rest of the guys around the, the team, the franchise. So I'm rooting for you. Whatever, whatever that is, I'm rooting for you on Thursday night. Awesome. We appreciate it. Well, we will be back actually later this evening, uh, Friday night, with a call-in episode. So make sure to join us there. And then Sunday night, 9 p.m. Central Time, Another podcast as we move closer and closer to the draft. We'll see if we have more uh, rumors to break down, trade rumors. So join us then. And so you guys have a great Friday, a great weekend, and we will talk to you soon. Until then, 
And as always, thunder up. When you make decisions for your company, you always look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing and shipping to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your process to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, books, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart if you sell online, schedule package pickups through the dashboard, and automatically see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers, with rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are, even on the go. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other business decision makers with Stamps.com. Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus free postage, and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.